From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. Hello, friends. Welcome back once again to another episode of The Revealing. I am Robert Engel. I am here with my good friends Frank Salvaggio and Chris Wing. Uh, we are grateful to uh, be alongside you once again um, through whatever medium uh, you are listening to this. Uh, we are grateful for the opportunity. Uh, we hope you are as well. Um, by the time this episode airs, uh, I do believe we are in the midst, if just not shortly after the Thanksgiving holiday and uh, working our way to Christmas. So uh, we definitely understand this is a busy time of year and a lot going on to um, grab your attention and, and, and busy your schedules and whatnot. Uh, but um, we are grateful that you are taking some time. Uh, carving out some space here and and just getting in the word with us. Um, if it wasn't for you, uh, we've said it before, it would just be us talking Bible, which we love to do, but we also love um, having people to share this with. And so we praise the Lord uh, for this ministry and for you, uh, whether you are just joining us in the recent past or you have been tracking with us for, I guess, over the year now that we've been doing this. Um, but man, it's been, been a blessing. Uh, this this ministry uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida here, uh, One Baptist Church and One Jacks Productions, um, been a blessing for us for sure. Um, but not only that, uh, the series that we are in and find ourselves concluding today uh, has been very much a blessing uh, to me, uh, and we I do hope to you as well. And that series being that of um, the biblical understanding of the covenants. And uh, we find ourselves, on as I said, the last... Uh, covenant, if, if I can phrase it that way, the last one we're covering uh, in the Bible, and um, I don't think it's going to take us very long uh, to, to understand, uh, as I think we probably have said this at some point during each of the episodes of the covenant, uh, just how important this one is. Um, I think every time we say, this is the most important one, and then the next week, this is the most important one, which just goes to show how important they all are. And that really, guys, I think it's because... Um, as we were talking just a few minutes ago, um, that especially uh, four of them that that we've covered, I think the last four actually, um, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic, and the one we're doing today, which is the New Covenant or the Everlasting Covenant, uh, man, um, Christians today, whether they are meaning to or whether they're being taught to uh, or whether they're teaching this, whatever it is, as a whole, the church today, we're taking these covenants and, and these promises um, and we're applying them to us, to the church. And, um, you know, that is in uh, strict violation of Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, um, where we are called to um, study to show ourselves approved and, and we're called to rightly divide the word of truth. And, and when we take principles from the word of God and uh, we uh, just uh, strip them of their context and ex- extrapolate them out of um, the, the right people group uh, that um, the, the the word of God is addressing, and not just the right people group, but the um, the right dispensation. Um, and by people group, you know, we've covered that in, in episodes past. First uh, Corinthians chapter ten and verse thirty-two. Um, there are three people groups, biblically speaking: uh, the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. Uh, but when we do that, and man, oh man, is it so easy to do that? Whether whether we intend to or not. Um, 
we start taking these physical promises and, and these physical blessings and 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 all of the things that are tied up with them and the implications of them and and we just take them for ourselves. You know, one of the um, primary things pri- uh, primary things that come to my mind is a uh, Jeremiah twenty nine and verse eleven. Um, you know, okay, that's that's I think every Christian probably in their repertoire of memory verses, it goes John three sixteen and then Jeremiah twenty nine eleven essentially. And, and okay, they're both grand verses; they really are. Um, but when you stop and look at the context of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, uh, okay, devotionally, man, yeah, you know, I think we would all amen that the Lord um, knows the plans that He has for us and, and and plans to prosper us or for a future and and things like that. But listen, we've got to stop just taking that and, and running with it and just like proclaiming um, blessing over our lives and speaking these things as if they were said directly to us. Um, they were not. Uh, that specifically was said to Israel. And um, that's important because um, where does it stop? If we if we just go that route, um, it's like um, where Paul says, I think it's in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Another example, yes, he was talking to the church, but we take those and we we, we strip that of context and, and rest the scriptures. And, and in our Laodicean mentality, we just start to um, think that, that these verses are saying something that they're not. Uh, and I think it's in the Gospel of John, if you guys see anything in my name, uh, talking about prayer, um, then, then you shall have it. You know, those types of things, we just have such a gross misunderstanding of, of what they mean and what they truly are saying because of the context, because of the people group, because of the dispensation, etc. So I say all that to say this, um, this is such an important one, and uh, and I hope you're seeing that um, as we've gone through these episodes. Uh, but um we are, uh, again, it, talking about this new covenant. Um, last episode, uh, if you recall, if you were with us, um, if not, we'd love for you to go back and listen to that because really that one kind of leads into this one. Uh, that was the Davidic covenant. Uh, and basically that was, uh, in a nutshell, uh, a focus um, on the king, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would come of the, uh, of, the of the seat of David and would sit on the throne of David um, in a very <clears throat> physical, uh, literal um, governmental uh, king uh, throne over a physical, literal kingdom. Um, and, and so that was the Davidic covenant. And then today we're looking at uh, what the Bible calls uh, the new covenant, um, also referred to as the everlasting covenant, as we'll see in just a few moments. Um, and that, again, the whole point of why I just said the last two or three minutes of what I said about the church versus uh, versus Israel and, and spiritual versus physical and all of that is because uh, this new covenant is this everlasting covenant with Israel. Uh, what the king will do with Israel as it pertains to his people. Um, so, so let's just make sure we get our bearings here and, and stay within the, the lines of the, the, the right lane, so to speak. So I'm really excited to jump into this. I hope you are too. Um, if you've been around for a little bit, you know you may want to grab a, a pen and a piece of paper in your Bible uh, because we're going to be um, jumping from Scripture to Scripture and comparing sp- uh, spiritual things with spiritual. And um, it, it, sometimes it's easy to get lost if, if we're not um, really um, engaging our minds and our hearts as well. So we do hope you're doing that. But uh, uh, Pastor Frank, Chris, I'm excited to start this conversation. I know you guys are. Amen. Yeah, and so um, uh, I, I think do we want to um, go right to um, to, to our, our our primary text? Um, I know we're going to end up at some point in Jeremiah 31. Uh, do we want to start there? Um, do we want to work our way there? I think I think we're good to jump in there. So, Pastor Frank, um, do, you, do you have any verses you would like me to read, or you want to kind of lead us into that, or what were your thoughts, my friend? 
Yeah, I think we need to start with uh, Jeremiah <clears throat> chapter 31, verses uh, 31 to 33, at least. Mm. Um, I think that's a good place to start, and then we can kind of jump in there. So, Chris, you want to read those? Sure. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, right in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And I'm going to read verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And so the question... <laughs> That obviously becomes is uh, <clears throat> who who is this passage written to? Yeah, always uh, an important question. And and what is the uh, fulfillment of it? And and you know, uh, has it been fulfilled yet? Is it in the process of being fulfilled? Mm. All those questions that that are important to this. So <clears throat> I think where we need to start uh, is as you uh, mentioned, uh, Pastor Robert. Um, you know, there is a bit of a tie-in, if you will, uh, with the previous covenant. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure we understand the previous covenant to fully understand this covenant. And uh, so, obviously, if you're listening, we can't go back and rehash everything we talked about when we talked about the Davidic covenant, but that was our previous message. Um, so, you know, I would, uh, if you haven't listened to that one, I would say press pause right now, mm -hmm. go back and listen to that one, uh, because it's going to help you get uh, what's going on here? Uh, number number one, as we talked about with the Davidic covenant, the Davidic covenant was made uh, with uh, with with uh, with Israel mm -hmm. specifically in the in the in the uh, aspect of that uh, God promised David that there would be a man from his seed mm -hmm. that would sit on his throne forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it doesn't take us very long to kind of go through that. Obviously, he's not talking about Solomon because Solomon didn't sit on the throne forever. Uh, obviously, there, there's something more to this. Uh, we looked at the Luke passage that 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 uh, when uh, the angel Gabriel announced the birth of Jesus to Mary, where where he said that uh, this this is the, uh, the 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 fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Uh, is going to be the one that's going to sit on the throne of David. Uh, and and as, so now, as we sit there and we look at that, we have to start putting things in, in uh, as you you've said, uh, uh, Robert. We have to put things in context. We have to start thinking about things realistically and and applying things properly. The question would be then: Is is Jesus sitting on the throne of David today? Hmm. No, he's the not. An the answer is no. So either, okay. We've got a major problem in the Bible uh, because the Bible didn't know what it was talking about, or is yet future, <clears throat> or is what some might say is spiritual. Oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, nowhere in the Bible could we ever get to the place of believing that what promise that God made to David was going to be a spiritual fulfillment. If you do that, then what you are going to have to do 
uh, is is now apply all physical promises that God made to Israel mm. and make them spiritual. And hello, mm-hmm. that's what many people do. That's why we have the teaching of replacement theology today, mm-hmm. because we think that all the physical promises that God made to Israel is was now being fulfilled in us spiritually. And that, my friends, is a gross misunderstanding of the Bible. That is taking a th- ideology and putting it into the Bible because the Bible never teaches that. That is that is putting your own uh, thoughts, your own wants, your own needs, your own whatever, yeah. and and placing it into the Bible because there's no way you could come to that. And, and that that's spot on because as you're saying that, I'm sitting here thinking, what causes us generally speaking, the church, what causes us to do that, to have that tendency to just want to make it um, about us? And that's really what it boils down to. Just the, I think it's Laodicean mentality that we talked about around here a lot. No question. It, it's just really the fruit of that heart that, that it's it's about me. We are lovers of ourselves. And, and I'll add to that too, you know, <clears throat> it's also a product of, 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 of the teaching of the day because a lot of churches do not have as we've gone through in the past and think we started this whole entire podcast series with expositional preaching and we were talking about how important that is and I think that plays a part in the thinking of the modern if you will today's church because the preachers are preaching things from a very spiritual uh, devotional aspect instead of looking at the scriptures and contextually and from a literal standpoint and since that's the way things are being preached and taught the people are are thinking that way you know, so yeah. they're a product of that. I would say that's a that's a predominant uh, factor in in the way that people think in the church today. Is just because that's what they're a product of the preach the preacher. Yeah. So so okay. So with all that being said, um, <clears throat> as we uh, if we can wrap up uh, the or 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 package the Davidic covenant in a in a quick nutshell, it's basically this: there is going to be a man who's going going to sit on the throne. Uh, the Davidic throne in Israel, uh, and when he does, he is going to do it forever. Mm. That man has not done that yet. Mm-hmm. That man is going to do that. That man is Jesus. Amen. Yep. Because of when Jesus came the first time, because the the, uh, the 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 nation of Israel as a whole rejected him as that king, uh, they crucified him, mm-hmm. and the blood of their children and themselves have been on themselves ever since. Mm. There is no king in Israel today. Therefore, uh, every man is doing that, which is right in their own eyes. Judges mm-hmm. tells us that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we are. Uh, that, that hasn't changed. There has not been a king who has sat on the throne uh, of the Davidic throne since Koinaya did back in uh, the, the, the book of uh, 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 Kings, uh, Chronicles, um, ultimately, Jeremiah 22 tells yeah. us that because of what Koaniah did, Jeconiah, however you want to—that's the uh, the uh, Old Testament or New Testament. Well, no, called Jeconiah, but in the it's New not Testament, that he just has different Koniah. names. <laughs> but yeah. it's the same guy, right? Yeah. Jeconiah, Koaniah, same guy. Okay, because of of his gross failures in keeping up to what the king of Israel should have been doing, God finally had enough. Uh, with the with the nation of of, of Israel and the now the nation or the the uh, the, the southern kingdom of Judah, mm-hmm. and he puts a blood curse mm-hmm. on the, uh, the the southern kingdom 
uh, which the, the, the point is, is that the blood curse made it so that there could be no more of the line of David who would sit on the throne of, 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 uh, uh, David. of David. Yeah. So, so that obviously caused a major, major issue because how is Jesus going to sit on the throne? That's a different time, different story. <laughs> that's why there's diversion birth. And that's why G, you know, God, blood, threw, man. God threw the curveball with the blood. Amen. Right? So, um, but, but, but beside the point, um, Jesus is the only one and will be the only one that can sit on that throne because of the virgin birth. So there is no other man who can sit on that throne. That is a, uh, a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we can't, uh, you know, I know, uh, I know a lot of people like to teach the whole amillennialism stuff and stuff like that, but I'm just telling you, that's not what this Bible teaches. It's wrong. Um, there is coming a time when Jesus is going to sit on that throne. And amillennialism being the fact that Jesus Christ will not rule and reign. There's no physical thousand year spiritual, reign of Christ. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, taking revelation 20 completely out mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm context <laughs> and applying it the way they want to. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you want, if that's the way you want to approach the Bible, feel free, do what you got to do. I'm just not going to do that because if you do that, you're going to put yourself in the field of the fatherless mm-hmm. real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, here's the thing. When, when it comes to this new covenant, uh, this everlasting covenant, um, we now have to take the next progression from the Davidic covenant. Mm-hmm. See that the, 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 all of them are progressing to something, right? And what are we ultimately progressing to? We're ultimately ultimately progressing to the point when the Jew, obviously, because it says in verse 31, mm-hmm. I will make a new covenant with the house, house of Israel, of Israel. <laughs> and with the house of Judah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you want to say this is to the church, that, that, that that's great. Sounds good, I suppose. But that's not what it says. Well, you're ignoring your Bible. Yeah, it's not what it says. Yeah. Um, so if you want to say that, well, oh, well, the church has replaced Israel. Okay. If that's the case, just, man, to me, that is such a uh, a big deal to say that. Mm. Okay. If, if you think that is true, just show me in the Bible where it says that. Mm-hmm. You would think God would make an emphatic statement about that, not in just one place, but in many places. Yeah. Don't just give me one or two verses. It should be all over the place. Especially in the epistles of Paul. Yeah. Where he's- Yet, however, <laughs> that's not the case. Yeah. Okay. So you're implying something that I'm sorry, you can't prove that. That is a, 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 a major issue. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously uh, we better be careful of that because uh, Jesus says uh, that, that, that's, that, that if you say you're a Jew and you're not, mm-hmm. that's the synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, so why would anybody want to steal the, uh, the, the, the promises that were given to Israel is an interesting thought within itself. And mm. why does Jesus call that the synagogue of Satan? That's Revelation 2, 9, by the way. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's probably worthy of a study within itself. Uh, but no questions asked. It says, behold, the days come. And I want you to notice that because that's an important term. It says, behold, the days come. And then it says in verse 33, after those days. Getting some time frame here. So God is giving us a nice little clue. So if you think this is the church, here's going to be my problem with that. We're living in the last days. Mm -hmm. We're not living in the behold, the days come. Or we're not living in after those days. After those days would be the last days. That's what he's talking about. So just within the way the, 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 the passage is written, 
it, 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 it's giving us the implication of what's going on here. So this obviously, at minimum, can't be the church now because it's after those days. Yeah. Okay. So to go to this passage and say, oh, look at verse 31. That's talking about us. <laughs> no, it's not talking about us at all. Okay. This is talking about Israel and Judah. It when? After those days. Which days? The last days. Yeah. When does this take place? It takes place in the millennial kingdom. Mm-hmm. When Jesus is going to sit on the throne, when Jesus is going to be king over Israel, and when that happens, that thousand-year reign, because we like to take the Bible literally, and it tells us there's going to be a thousand-year reign in Revelation 20. Multiple times. Yes. <laughs> when that takes place, that's when this is going to take place. That's right. For who? Israel. Israel. For Israel. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, and again, if you don't think that that's true, just go read Romans 11. That's exactly so he's what not, Rome- He's not finished with the Jew. He's not finished with the Jew. Right. Uh, just to, to, to add to that, we've talked about in the past the, the theme of the Bible, which is people like to make about us and they make, like to make it about the church and they like to make it about salvation and things like that. And, and, and those things are certainly uh, a part of God's plan. But the theme of the Bible, as we've said in the past, is, is all about a throne. And he who sits on that throne gets the glory. And you're seeing that fulfillment here when, when Jesus actually takes the throne. And this, so my point is that this is the time, the time frame that, that Jesus has marked on his calendar, uh, prophetically speaking, that he clears out an awful lot of space throughout the entirety of Scripture, predominantly in the Old Testament, to talk about this time frame. And so, you know, you're talking about how people will t- like to take these things and apply it to the church, but God does something very special for us in that he clears off a lot of space to talk about this particular time frame. In fact, he talks more about his second coming seven times more than he talks about his first coming, and this is all a part of that. And so for us to to change what God has said to make it about something it isn't, I mean, he, he spends an awful, awful lot of time talking about specifics that have to do with this time frame. The millennial reign, the throne that he's going to sit on, uh, this new covenant and how it all comes together. I mean, the Old Testament is written, there's so much written about this time frame of the millennial kingdom that, I mean, the, a lot of the Old Testament, the prophets, uh, the book of Psalms is very prophetic and talks about the, that kingdom, yeah. what it's going to be like and how uh, God's going to be on the throne there and on his holy hill in Mount Zion and all this stuff. He clears on a lot of space in scripture to talk about this. So it's 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 almost befuddling to me how somebody could not see what this really pertains to, that it is very, very Jewish and that it is all about the nation of Israel when God spends so much time talking about it. Can, can, can I say, here, here, I'm going to drop something for you. Drop it. Okay. If you're listening right now uh, and, 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 and you really want to help yourself in grabbing onto how to understand your Bible, listen to what I'm about to say because this is going to help you tremendously. Prophecy in the Bible has everything to do with physical promises that are going to take place on earth to the nation of Israel. Think about it. If you start thinking about prophecies, they do. They all have to do. Okay. Mysteries in the Bible have everything to do with heavenly promises Mm. that are uh, obviously uh, spiritual in nature and have to do with uh, the church. If you can get that, you'll start to understand. 
you'll start to get it. Prophecy is foretelling something that God's going to do in the future on planet Earth. Mysteries are be, were revealed to the church. Does, it, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, and the revealing of those mysteries all had to do with spiritual blessings. You talked about that Jeremiah passage where it talks about, I have plans for you and I'm going to prosper you. Well, well okay, listen, that particular passage was made to the Jew and uh, uh, no, no doubt the, the, the plans that God had for Israel, how he was going to bless them and, and, and such and prosper them was physical, physical with physical things. Yeah. Okay. But all scriptures written for our learning. Okay. So what does that mean to us? Well, God is going to prosper us. Mm-hmm. What though? How? Spiritually. Mm-hmm. You got to get that. If you don't understand the difference between a prophecy and you understand the difference between a mystery, see, the Old Testament, all of this was a mystery to them. They didn't understand it. All they could see is the physical promises. Mm-hmm. They didn't understand the spiritual promises. Why? Because in the New Testament, God started to reveal the, 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 the spiritual promises to what? This, this, this new entity called the body of Christ, mm-hmm. the church, mm-hmm. which was going to be Christ in you. Different deal, different thing going on. Mm-hmm. If you can grab onto that and you can see that, and I mean that literally because that's what Paul was praying constantly to his people in all of his epistles, is that their spiritual understanding would be would be open to them. Yeah. If you can see that, you're going to start to see what you need to see and how to separate these things. If you don't see that, then, man you're going to enter into the fields of the fatherless, as you said. And, and, and if you're listening and you don't understand what that means, that means you're, you're not putting the Jew in its rightful place. Mm. Right. You're entering into this, the, the fields of the fatherless, which, which the Bible talks about uh, in, in, in quite a few places. So, okay. So what is this everlasting covenant? What, what's going to happen here? Well, obviously, as we can see here, what God's going to do is he is going to restore the nation of Israel to its rightful place. Yeah, that that's what's happening here. Um, if we were to go to uh, 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 the 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 book of Romans, when uh, Paul is is kind of explaining to us, uh, you know, what's going to happen here, and again, he, he's he's telling us uh, of this mystery. This is a this is a, you know he he he's laying that out. Uh, he says uh, in verse, where do I want to start? Chapter Watch eleven. Up. Yep. Uh, verse 25, he says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. And, and so why is he saying that? Because the church didn't understand this. If you want to get if you want to get past, if you want to get past the fact that God has not is not done with Israel, if you want to get to that place, then then church, you need to understand this mystery. Mm-hmm. He's saying this lest lest you should be wise in your own conceits. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. Yeah. When? When? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an ending mm-hmm. until the full, and I'm going to argue with you that if you rightly divide your Bible and you do it correctly, when would be until the fullness of the Gentiles become in? I would say, I think you start comparing scripture with scripture. There's no doubt about it. It is when the end of days are fulfilled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Hence the reason why we talk about the day of the Lord, mm-hmm. the day of the Lord or Behold, the days come, mm-hmm. or after those days, mm-hmm. okay, that's after the Gentile dispensation is over with. So are we talking 
uh, at the rapture of the church that ushers in the tribulation period? Or are you talking at? By, I would say absolutely. Okay. I would say absolutely. Just so we're clear. Yeah. I would say absolutely. Yeah. Um, no doubt about it. Because again, he he directs his attention to back to the Jews. So the fullness yeah. of the Gentiles. And look what verse twenty six says. Of Romans 11. Uh And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Mm -hmm. This is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. That is Mm -hmm. the everlasting covenant. That's the covenant he's referring to. That's what he's talking to about right here. This is is when this is going to happen. For who? The Jews. The Jew. This has nothing—listen, in this dispensation— Something new is going on. Mm-hmm. That's why it was a mystery. Nobody could know of it because it was going to be a new entity. If 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 I've got um, if I got a diet Pepsi and I replace it with another diet Pepsi, is it new? No, it's still diet Pepsi. I might have something different in there, but but if I took a diet Pepsi and I put a iced tea here, is that new? Yes, it's something completely different. That's what people don't understand. How can the church have replaced Israel? If that's true, then it's some it's nothing new. You just you just took what it has and replaced it. This church is a new creature. It is Jew and Gentile together based on new promises. That's that's what all that's what Ephesians is talking about. That are spiritual. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's exactly what Ephesians is talking about. And to start teaching that God is 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 you know predestined people and 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 and, and that we're the elect and and that uh, you know we have replaced Israel and all that stuff. Listen, you can you can go there if you want to, but I'm telling you that's not what Ephesians is, is teaching. And to get it down right, um, we have not. And we will not, in any way, shape, or form, have anything to do with this covenant. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about, earlier, you were talking about prophecy and the importance of understanding what prophecy is. When it comes to this entity of the church, the body of Christ, we have to understand that as it pertains to prophecy and as it pertains to the nation of Israel, the Jews, God's chosen people, and how he actually tells history through those, that people group, everything everything in all of history is through them. They are the lens from which through everything— Through the Jew. Yeah, through the Jew. Um, but when you're talking about it from a prophetic standpoint, and under, another additional layer, I suppose you could say, of understanding prophecy is that that's how God counts time. Oh, that's no how doubt. it counts time. No doubt. Literally. And so Absolutely. the church age, the, the body of Christ, the Genesis dispensation that we're in now. right now. The yeah. appointed times, that, is, that right. is a prophetical announcement. And, and we're talking about key uh, things here within the scriptures that, that God's using to let us know when this time frame is going to happen. Well, because that's how he, he counts time is through prophecy. And in this time frame in which we're living in, we're talking about the importance of understanding the difference between dispensation of grace, the church, is that it's a spiritual thing. He's not counting time right now. This is the the blip in the radar where God has hit the time clock and stopped that time from counting uh, in this parenthesis that we're living in in the church age. And once the church is raptured out, harpazo taken out, then he hits the time clock again and actually starts prophetically counting time again. And w- and when does he do that? When he turns his attention back to the Jews. So we have to understand that important layer of prophecy is that that's how God counts time. And it's always in reference to the Jews. And it is very interesting that if you really pay attention while you're reading your Bible, God's very, very clear about time. He, he, he does a great job. Uh, I would almost uh, say it's worth your time <laughs> 
Like that pun? That was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, it, it is honestly, it's worth your time to read your Bible, just looking for time elements, mm. so that you can go. Meaning, when he clarifies after two days or mm. a certain time for uh, you know when he gives dates or months or or, or you know those types of um, qualifiers, um, it's not just well, and and even things like. At the end of time, yeah, at, at that time. end of days, yeah. at that time, the, the day days. of the Lord, yeah, the yeah. latter days, those days, the, yeah. those days. Yeah. What, what? Start get yourself a little piece of paper, right, and start putting those terminologies in there. Re, you know, put them in their context. Look what he's saying, and look how easily you can put those things together once you kind of see what he's saying. They help you rightly divide. Oh, and absolutely. Oh, they will absolutely one hundred percent help yeah. you. They're critical in rightly yep. dividing. Actually, oh, it, it, it absolutely is. So and, why and, words are so important in your King James Bible mm-hmm. that becomes obvious. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, okay. Back to, back to this uh, everlasting covenant. So, so what is it that God's going to do? It says it says there in verse thirty three, He's going to put His law in their inward parts and write in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Notice verse verse thirty four says, "For they shall all mm-hmm. know me." Yep. Oh. Who's the Who's the me that they will all know? What doesn't Israel know God? What was the missing key? But sure, they know Jehovah God. Christ. Yep. They didn't know mm-hmm. Jesus. Yep. And that's what that's referring to. There's going to come a time when they are all going to know me now. They're going to know who I am. They're going to know who I was. Because they didn't and they don't. Right, right, right. But they will. And they still don't, mm-hmm. right. by the way, right. which proves... <laughs> God's not done with them. Or this is wrong. And I would argue there's many in the church today that don't know Jesus as God. So Hmm. does the church all know him if you want to play that game? No. No, I would say actually most people in the church don't believe Jesus is God. Hmm. Uh, So, and if you want to argue that point, let's go, because I think we could. Um, Anyways. Definitely. Anyways, uh, this is a very, 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 uh, you know, Here's the interesting thing about these 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 uh, covenants, right? They're setting forth in order the order of all things that God's going to do in in the in in and through the nation of, of Israel. And again, I want you to notice that what God's doing ultimately is, you know, we th- we see things in a line. Mm. That's the way we do over here yeah. in the West. But you have to understand that that's not how. Um, people over in the Middle East see things, and more importantly, uh, that's not how God sees things. Right. God sees things in a circle. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is where we were is where God is trying to get us back to. The line is from point A to point B, but point B could look very differently than the way it looked in point A. That's not how God works. God's trying to get everything back to point A, circle, back to point A. Mm-hmm. There is no point B for God. It's A, Circle. And it's, a. it's all working back to where it was. <laughs> right. Ecclesiastes three fifteen. Right. That which has been. And so when you are looking at these covenants, when you're looking at how God is revealing stuff along the way, understand that He's just trying to get things back to the way they were supposed to be. That's Genesis and Revelation are an interesting study within itself, just to see how where things started in Genesis and where it got back to where it started in Genesis and Revelation. Yeah. It's just an interesting study to do that. Definitely circular. It, oh, there's no doubt about it. And so, um, uh, you know, things like, you know, here's another thing that I think is very helpful to this. Uh, Understand the seven feasts of the Lord. 
Now, who were those seven feasts given to? Israel. Israel. And by the way, they are prophetic. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. So if they are prophetic, guess what? <laughs> it has something to do with something that's going to happen on planet Earth. Stop making it about the church. It has nothing to do with the church. Nothing to do. Sure. Could we, we, could we argue that the church uh, has some benefit of some of what happened? Uh, well, yeah, because salvation is of the Jews. So, yeah, I can, I'm good with you. But any benefit the church has is going to be a spiritual benefit, not a physical one. You got to get that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Same thing going on with these covenants. Same idea. These covenants were made, and Paul's very clear on it. You can't, you can't get past it. The covenants were made and given to Israel. He's very clear on that in Romans chapter 3. You, you, there's no way you can get around it. He's very, very clear about it. That's who they were made with. And, and so, therefore, uh, we say all that to say this everlasting covenant uh, is not when the church gets the Holy Ghost, when we get born again. And that's not what's being talked about in verse 33. We live in a very special time period, okay, where we just don't have the law written in our inward parts or in our hearts. We have God in us. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a very different thing, mm -hmm. okay? What, what we have is just beyond uh, privilege. Amen. Okay. Mm. And what's going on here and what he's talking about here, man, we could, we could go all kinds of places, but I would say this, I would say, man, do you really even understand what Jesus was talking about when he was sitting on that Mount in Matthew five through seven, mm. he's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the way things are going to look in the kingdom and showing them where they were failing in the here and now. Um, I like how I've heard it before. It's been said that it's the manifesto of the king in the kingdom. If you understand what's going on in Matthew 5 through 7, which we call the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> that's all kingdom stuff. Yeah. And when I say kingdom stuff, I'm talking about Davidic kingdom stuff that's going to happen when Jesus is sitting on the throne uh, as the king over Israel. Kingdom of heaven. Yes. And I think he even says that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So, uh, again, uh, these these are important distinctions that if you don't get it and then you're going to turn around and start making them for us, well, you're missing what he's saying here. And you're implying stuff in the wrong, in the wrong uh, dispensation to the wrong people group. Again, no, no doubt about it. Is there spiritual application? All scripture is written for our learning. No questions asked. Just don't take the physical blessings and make them spiritual blessings mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. God did a good enough job mm -hmm. of telling us what our spiritual blessings are. Mm -hmm. You don't need to tell him what our spiritual blessings are. He told us what they are over in Ephesians chapter one. You don't need to tell God what our blessings are. He told us what our blessings are. And by the way, all of those blessings could not, would not, had no ability to happen until the blood of Christ yeah. was, was given. And that happened at the cross. Amen. It was after. So again, um, when you look at this covenant, it's very, very important to understand who it was made with. It's very, very important to understand that, that, that this has nothing to do with us in no way, shape, or form. None. Zero. Zippo. Nothing. Don't, don't go here. 
Don't go to Pentecost uh-uh. and in and, and, and chapter 2 and say that's when the church began. That's incorrect. Acts 2, that right. Is a, that is a fulfilling of a Jewish feast. You have to understand these things because if you don't, you're, you're entering into the field of the fatherless is going to cause you to start teaching a lot of false doctrine uh-huh. real fast. Uh-huh. And uh, unfortunately, um, it's happening. And, and yeah. it's, it's, it, it's happening in Baptist churches, it's happening in non-denominational churches, it's happening in Roman Catholic churches, it's happening in, you name it, yeah, all across the the world today, and, and it's 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 a danger, it's a danger. So, uh, Chris, you, I know you have some some stuff here. I think Ezekiel, uh, Hosea, or and Hebrews, I think, are the three places sure. that I think we should definitely go to. So, okay. why don't you go ahead and uh, start leading us there? All right. Well, so I think we've clearly identified, or God rather has clearly identified, whom this covenant is with. That it is Jewish in nature. Uh, if you go to Jeremiah thirty-two and verse forty, you'll see him referencing this uh, covenant again. And he calls it an everlasting covenant, just so you don't think we're making that up. This new covenant this everla- is an everlasting covenant. This is an unconditional covenant, and as the covenants go, um, God says, I will, I will. That's your key demarcation of that, this being um, unconditional. Um, so, and in, again, in Jeremiah 32, he's going to talk about how he's going to gather Israel again So uh, to this particular covenant. He's, they're going to be dwelling safely. They're going to have one heart and one way, and it, it is an everlasting covenant. Um, all people are going to know in Isaiah 61, uh, verse 8 and 9, referring to this covenant, uh, it says, For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery of burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. He's talking about that covenant. And mm. their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All them, all that see them shall acknowledge them that they uh, are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. So all will know this. Um, I think you just, what did you say, Ezekiel 37, uh, Frank? Yeah, Ezekiel 37, verses 21, I mean, all the way to 28, he references again this being an everlasting covenant. He says in verse 26 there in Ezekiel 37, more of all, I will make a covenant of peace. So this covenant that's new, that's everlasting, is a covenant of peace with them, speaking to Israel. Uh, And I I will place them and multiply them. Uh, and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. And again, we've tied this particular covenant in with the millennial uh, dispensation of the millennial reign of, and, and kingdom. So it, that that's a, that's the sanctuary that he's going to to have in that that time frame. He's actually going to be there with them. And and you were talking about uh, the feast of the Lord, uh, Pastor, and he's actually going to be when Jesus is here on the earth again for the second time on that throne, he's going to be tabernacling with his people again, dwelling with his people. And that particular feast will be celebrated in that, that time frame again, the feast of tabernacles. So that's, that's relevant as well. I think you also see it in Ezekiel 16. Okay. Um, if you notice in uh, verse one and two, it says, uh, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man caused Jerusalem to know her abominations. And he goes through and he goes through talking about, again, who's he talking to? Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And when we get to verse 60, it says, nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with thee in the days of thy youth, and I will establish unto thee an everlasting covenant. There you go. Then thou shalt remember thy ways and be ashamed and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Verse 62, and I will establish my covenant mm-hmm. with thee and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Again, referring back to 
this covenant that he's talking about in Jeremiah. Sorry, mm-hmm. just wanted to throw that in there. And if right. I could just comment on the verse in uh, Ezekiel, one of the verses in Ezekiel you made, Chris, there in chapter 37, uh, verse 26 uh, and verse 27, where you talk about him tabernacling mm-hmm. with them, with his people. In verse 27, he says that. And then back in verse 26, he says that he will set his sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. Um and so just so our listeners don't get confused, um, there's a difference between tabernacling with them and then in them. Yes, absolutely. Huge difference. Yeah, big time. It's, <laughs> it's Christ in you. Exactly. You know, it's, so um, again, going back to Frank's um, distinction between spiritual and physical, mm-hmm. the church in Israel, um, lest someone goes in their mind to their New Testament over there in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6 uh, and 7, where he talks about, is it that, is that what it is? Or first, 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 first Corinthians, Corinthians 6, yeah. thank you. And um, where we, he talks about these promises. Um, well, Second Corinthians 6 too. Is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, both. Okay, cool. There you go. Good. <laughs> and and he, he talks about how um, we have these precious promises um, and that he he, he, he dwells in us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a difference there because he's not dwelling in them. Uh, he's dwelling with them. Yeah. So important distinction. Isn't it amazing how God makes such a huge a distinction be- with just the words in, with? I mean, yes. simple little words like that. Every word on purpose for but a purpose. Not small, but not insignificant. Right, exactly. Yeah. Amen. And so he spends time there in those in those verses in Ezekiel 37 talking about how uh, he will be tabernacling with them and there's going to be a sanctuary and he talks about dwelling with them. Um, he's going to regather Israel. They're going to be one nation again, ruled by one king, no longer idolatrous. They'll be cleansed and forgiven. He will dwell forever in that land. The covenant is also a covenant of peace and God's tabernacle will be with them. Um, and when you jump all the way to the New Testament, um, and again, like I said before, in the Old Testament, there's a lot, a lot of space that God clears out talking about the actual specifics of that millennial kingdom and what that's going to look like and when Jesus is on the throne. But if you go to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, and again, we've talked about this in the past, be sure that you you know the people group to whom this is written. Hebrews is written to the Hebrews, the Jews. So that is doctrinally who this uh, epistle is for. And in fact, I would even go further, pastors, uh, you'll, you'll agree with this, I think, and that this particular epistle is written for the express purposes of, of being a tribulation uh, an ep- epistle where God will be, uh, he will be talking to his people, the Jews in the tribulation, that remnant uh, in the tribulation to to get them to turn to Jesus and realize that he was the Messiah. And that's what this entire epistle is all about. It's about showing that Jesus fulfills all of the Old Testament sacrifices and that he was their king and their Messiah and their high priest and so on and so forth. But when you look in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, you're going to see this particular covenant reference back to the verses in Jeremiah. And so if you're in Hebrews 8, verses 8 through, um, I guess, 13, really, He says, for finding fault with them, he saith, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of, and again, he says, Israel and the Mm. house of Judah. Mm -hmm. So again, we know who he's talking uh, to. Not according to the covenant that I made with their father. So this should all just be familiar with you now as you, if we just read those verses in Jeremiah, basically he's, he's referencing those verses here Mm -hmm. in in, uh, Hebrews 8. So. Uh, again, in verse 10, for this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their in their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be uh, my people. Because again, like you said, Pastor Frank, right now, uh, the nation of Israel, it believes in Old Testament Jehovah God, but doesn't understand who Jesus is because they rejected him. And na- the nation of Israel, correct me if I'm wrong, but is predominantly an atheist nation at the t- this time. 
I mean, they're not, yeah. you know, a godly nation. So, and he keeps, so that's an important part of this covenant. He's going to, he keeps saying, they'll, they'll, I will be their God. They will know me as their God. They're, they're going to fully know him. And, and then he, that's why he references it here in, uh, in Hebrews. And as you continue down to verse 12, it's, it's the same thing. He says, for I will be merciful in verse 12 there in Hebrews eight to their unrighteousness uh, and their sins and their iniquities while I remember no more. Um, and that has not happened yet. And, um, so he's quoting those verses from Jeremiah. The book of Hebrews is written to the Jews. That's who it's doctrinally for. Um, and, and it's from that perspective of the tribulation. You jump to Hebrews 10. He does the same thing in a couple of verses there in 16 and 17. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. He references Jeremiah again in, in two chapters later. Um, and then, Pastor, you mentioned Romans 11, which, again, talks about that uh, restoration, future restoration of Israel. Um, and I and I just want to throw this in there. You guys tell me what you think about this. But he keeps talking about how I will be their God. They will be my people. And when you think about the book of Hosea as a similitude that God uses it to show how he kind of divorced the nation of Israel for a time, and they're blind right now, he uses Isaiah as a picture of telling them that, you know, when with the kids that Isaiah or that Hosea has, um, he has a child named Lo-Ami, which means not my people to signify that God has temporarily kind of put the Jews on that shelf until he turns his attention back to him again. And eventually he will do that. And then when you go to, through Hosea, you'll see that actually come to pass. And, and we've referenced these verses as well in the past. Hosea 5.15, which says, I will go and return, God speaking, I will go and return to my place until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face and their affliction. They will seek me early. Again, putting you into that time frame of the affliction of the Jews, the tribulation period, mm, right? Yeah. And so... All of this stuff that's taking place that has to do with this particular covenant, God's, he's going to fulfill it. Right now, they're, they're in essence, not his people, but they will be his people again when he turns his attention back to them and they actually come to him. And then again, uh, right, right there after uh, chapter 5 of Hosea 15, right into Hosea 6, this is then going to be when the nation of Israel will return unto them and, and realize, oh my gosh, you know, Jesus is our Messiah and in verse uh, 1 of, of Hosea 6, he says, it says, come, like this is the nation of Israel's response to Hosea 5.15, come and let us, the nation of Israel, the Jews, return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us, he hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Uh, and there's stuff into that as well, but eventually that's just saying, look, they're going to eventually accept him, realize that Jesus was the Messiah, and that's when this covenant, this new covenant, this everlasting covenant, this covenant of peace that's made with them will take place in the millennial kingdom. Yeah. It's what God's been saying all along. It's what he's been, again, he clears out so much space in the Old Testament throughout the prophets about this time frame that it's just impossible for anybody who just sits down and reads the word for what it says to to think any other other way than that this is for the Jews, this is for Israel. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is it's not difficult to understand. It's the, the Bible, these covenants, anything. Mm. Um, it's They're difficult for some reason to believe, just to believe and take what God said at his word, to take him at his word. Um, the Bible is not difficult to understand. Um, when we talk about rightly dividing and right people groups and all that, sometimes I think, you know, we could – make it sound a little more complicated than it really is. No, it's not. Um, for some reason, it's just difficult to believe. The book of Revelation is, is a, a good example. Uh, Revelation is not difficult to understand. It's just difficult for people to actually believe what it actually says, as opposed to um, taking things and, um, again, taking them out of context, um, 
wrong uh, dispensation, allegorizing or spiritualizing them, anything else that they want, we want to do to it. Um, but you know, to your point, God clears off so much space, and it's for that reason alone, you know, any good teacher, when something is important he or she's going to repeat it over mm-hmm. and over. Yeah. This is going to be on the test. Yeah. You need to know this. Um, write, write it on the board. You know, hey, uh, neon lights, arrows, etc. So that's what God's doing. Yeah, amen. And, and people are just, you know, we, we have our, instead of glasses, instead of a biblical lens, we just have mirrors where we're just so self-absorbed, you know. Yeah. We make it complicated. He right. doesn't. <laughs> so we got about five minutes left. Let's let's uh, now listen. Uh, if you're if you're listening, uh, we th- there's so many ways we could put this together. Mm. The, the, honestly, the 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 Old Testament is full of ways we could put this together. So um, this is just one way we could put this together. Ze- Zechariah. Let's go to Zechariah. We're going to start in chapter 12 and just kind of work our way through uh, a couple passages real quick, just so we can kind of place this. Um, in a, a, a very biblical context. So <clears throat> if you look at Zechariah 12, watch. Notice in verse number uh, two of Zechariah 12, it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. Okay, so the question is, when is this going to take place? Has it already taken place? I would argue that Jerusalem right now is is starting to become that cup of trembling. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you know, there's something about what's going on in Jerusalem today that is uh, that is becoming a very dangerous place. Um, obviously, you know, um, there, the, there's prophetical fulfillment that this is talking about. Now, some may say this has already happened. Well, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Look at the next verse. It says, and in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, all that burn themselves when it shall be cut in pieces, though all people of the earth be gathered together, though all people of the earth be gathered together against it. Mm. Uh, There's no doubt about it. This is talking about Armageddon, and I'm going to prove it to you in a second. Okay. So, okay. Look at verse number seven. It says, the Lord also shall save the tents of Judah. Judah. First, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. Why is he so concerned about the house of David? Right. Whoa, 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 so, okay. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Watch verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David according uh, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. <laughs> Hello. <Yeah. laughs> Hello, Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Hello, John, Hello, John 19. Who, who, who's the one that they pierced? Jesus. Amen. Jesus, right? And and who's been talking this whole time? Jehovah God. Jehovah God has. Well, when did Jehovah God get pierced? Mm, right on the cross. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Little mic drop there. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, and one that has bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. Now here's how we know that he is talking about Armageddon, because look what it says: as the mourning of Hadrimon. 
mm-hmm. in the valley of where? Megiddo. Megiddo. <laughs> Armageddon. That's Revelation 16, 16, folks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. Look at chapter 13. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, Mm -hmm. that I will cut off the names of the idols of the land. There shall be no more remembered, and I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirits to pass out of the land. Drop down to seven. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against a man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd. And the sheep will be scattered. When did they smite the shepherd and when were the sheep scattered? Mm -hmm. Right? And it shall come to pass that in that land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the tribulation period and what's going to happen to the nation of Jews. Okay? And he says, and I will bring the third part of who? The Jew. Mm -hmm. Through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined. I will try them as gold. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my... I mean, that sounds That's Hosea awful. 515 this and Hosea like, 6, one right well, there. Well, it also sounds an awful <laughs> lot like what's going on in this everlasting covenant. Yeah. Right? Look at, verse, look at chapter 14, verse uh, 2. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Uh, again, talking about uh, Armageddon. If you didn't, if you didn't know that, look at verse four. And his feet shall stand in that day upon mm-hmm. the Mount of Olives. Uh, this is obviously talking about when the Lord Jesus returns. Revelation nineteen. Okay, look at verse nine. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, mm-hmm. and his name one. Hello, Hallelujah, Amen. Yep. And now watch. Look at verse sixteen. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up year to year to worship the king, mm-hmm. capital K, yep. the Lord of hosts, Jesus. His military title. And yep. to keep the... There you go. Well, that was... That that's was the feast. That's, that's, what was, that, that's why Peter made tabernacles right. for Jesus Amen. over in uh, Matthew, Matthew 17. Yeah. And by the way, by the way, who was there with Jesus? Yeah. Moses, Moses and Elijah. Elijah. Why, I wonder why Moses and Elijah would have been there. I wonder if they're the two witnesses. Hmm. Maybe Micah has maybe, something to say about that. Maybe, maybe Micah does have something to say about that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, remember what 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 he he tells us. In in you're referring to not Micah Malachi. Ma- Malachi three, I think it was four. Four. Um, the, I was the, wrong on both counts. Look at that. <laughs> the last the last few. Uh, so let's go there. Go to Malachi. Yeah, because it's probably important. I knew look, in my head it was right. Since so. you were wrong, Chris, we need to clarify for everyone. I mean, look what he's, look what it says. I mean that that those six verses. Look. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Malachi. For behold, the day cometh. Again, notice that the day, the day, the day, in that day. What's he talking? Mm-hmm. Obviously, what he's talking about when he says in that day, in the day of the Lord, there's no doubt about it, man. It doesn't take a genius mm-hmm. to go, oh, wait a minute. He's talking about <laughs> before the Lord comes or when the Lord comes. The, the day of the Lord is not Sunday, folks. <laughs> that is an incorrect statement. Whoever came up with that, I have no idea. Or why they did, but it's just not. The day of the Lord is when the Lord Jesus returns and gets mm. his glory. Mm-hmm. That's the day of the Lord, mm-hmm. okay? And it says, but behold, that day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud and all them that do wicked. Second Thessalonians chapter number one comes to my mind, in flaming fire and in vengeance, mm-hmm. he's going to return, the Lord Jesus. But unto you that fear the name shall the Son, mm-hmm. capital S-U-N, why? Because the capital S-U-N is fire, <laughs> okay? It's the one that gives light. It's 
It's implying that the son represents Jesus Mm -hmm. of righteousness with healing in his wings. He shall go forth and grow up his calves of the stall and he he shall tread down the wicked. That's all going to happen at the battle of Armageddon. Right. And and look at verse four. This is how the, uh, uh, the prophet Malachi closes the prophetical announcements to Israel. Malachi was the last mm-hmm. uh, uh, Old Testament prophet to the Jew. Okay, and look what he says. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Why, why would he be telling the Jew to remember the law of Moses before the day of the coming of the Lord? I wonder why he would be doing that. All right. Behold, I'll send to you Elijah before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, by the way, John the Baptist would have been about Elijah. Mm-hmm. If the if the nation of Israel would have accepted, but they didn't, so where are we, mm-hmm. right? And look at number six. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children of their fathers. Hello, what, what what's God going to do in the everlasting covenant? Put His law into the what? Mm-hmm. The hearts of the people. You start putting this stuff together and you start rightly dividing this book together. There is no way on God's green earth you could ever come to the conclusion that God has done with Israel, that the Jew has been replaced by the church, and all the covenants and, and promises that were given to Israel have been passed to us. If you come to that conclusion, you may as well throw out three quarters of the Bible. What are you going to do with all that? Yeah. What are you going to do with all that? How are you going to spiritualize all that and say, that this is somehow going to all happen to us. How do you how do you get there? It's just an amazing thing to me um, that 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 this is the state of the church today. We are so Laodicean. We have made everything in the Bible about us, and I promise you, that is not. First of all, first of all, can I just say this? None of it's about us, anyways. Mm-hmm. Even if you think the promises to Israel are about us, you've messed up. Yes, no doubt. But to but but well, let's put that aside for a second. If you think any of the promises made to us are about us, you've messed up. None of it is about us. None of this is about us. It's all about the fact all the promises God made with Israel were what? Why did He make those promises to Israel? Because He is going to put Himself sitting on the throne as King overall that it was all about him all the promises made to israel were about him by the way all the promises he made to us they weren't about us they were about him getting his glory in and through us including salvation everything the whole thing Mm -hmm. is about him you turn anything in any way shape or form and make it about you 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 missed the point so you think you think God is going to prosper you if you tithe to tithe? I mean, you know, if you're on TBN and and, and you give your money, you think God's going to prosper you? You you done missed it, man. That 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 preacher just got your money because that ain't that ain't that ain't what this is about. It's just not. None of it is. This everlasting covenant was made with Israel. Yeah, it was made with Israel, and it had physical promises that were going to be uh, util- realized through the king of Israel, the Davidic covenant, Jesus. Yeah. 
And and again, there's there's so much stuff written about this time frame. And, and I know we poured a lot in a short amount of time, but there really is a lot. Whenever you read the Old Testament, you hear God talking about the kingdom and, and the throne and all that. Kind of, that that's what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, this time frame when he's going to fulfill all that. So be sensitive to that and, and also be sensitive and aware of not only who he's talking to, but those those key signature phrases of at that time, in those days, in the latter days, and all that, so you know when that's that's actually going to take place. I mean, it's very important stuff. I mean, there's there's just, like you said, Pastor Frank, there's so many different angles we can come at this to to show uh, this particular covenant and its fulfillment. But it, So it's really, it's there's a lot to go into it. So I ho- hopefully this will spark everybody's interest to go and study that out for yourselves and, and, and learn more about this particular covenant. You know, maybe maybe one of the, in the future here, maybe one of the studies we need to do is a study on time elements in the Bible. Mm. I think that would be a, a worthwhile study. Um, so, yeah. Well, that is our story, and we are sticking to it. Uh, well, that's his story, um, for sure, and uh, we are definitely sticking to that. Um, so we do hope this has been a blessing uh, to you and that um, you will uh, take these things and uh, go back to the scriptures, search them, and see if they be so, um, because that is our desire uh, here at The Revealing. Um, but until next time, uh, we do hope you will join us um, next week. Uh, but until then, take care, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor, Frank Silvaggio. Associate Pastor, Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.